Thank you, Lord. Once again, we're going to want to give thanks and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also want to give thanks to one another for our unity that we have in faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blood that he has shed on Calvary for our sins. We also want to keep those that are out tonight in prayer, some on vacation, I think, of the uh, <coughs> Chairman Deacon family, Phil, uh, yeah, is um, on a vacation somewhere on the, on the seas or the Bahamas, and <coughs> certainly want to keep them in prayer. Martha Letts, uh, and Raymond hurt his back. So we want to keep him in prayer. And we want to keep uh, Robert Harris, Deacon Harris's uh, family in prayer. Because I think he and uh, Sister Tosh is under the weather. So keep him lifted up. Book of James, the, uh, chapter 1. Let's pray, Father God, we want to thank you tonight. We want to glorify you. Father, we just want to lift you up. And we want to give praise and honor to your holy name because you've been so good to us. And Father, we don't want to take it too lightly, but we want to just come before you in the humbleness of our spirit. And we want to say thank you, Father. Thank you for allowing us to come through another day thus far in health and strength and the ability to praise you, Father. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will place it in all of our hearts, that we will continue in this way that we will go, and that, uh, and that you will help us to be safe in this time and in this season of holiday Thanksgiving. I just thank you, Father, because during this Christmas and New Year's season, we want to make sure that we remember the reason for the season, and that is that we worship and we celebrate the time of your birth as we see it coming into this world. In the name of Jesus Christ, I send out protection and love to all the Christian world, and may God forever be gracefully upon all of our lives. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. amen. To, uh, tonight I want to speak with the assembly about a thing called patience. Patience, when we talk about patience, you know, in this life that we have, there are many delays, there are many trials, there are many tribulations, there are many inconsistencies, there are many incompetencies. Not only are these things inside of us, but sometimes we're surrounded by these things. And doing all of this, there's a thing that's desired by God of us that we have a thing called patience. Now, patience is having and maintaining a good-natured tolerance during the time of these delays and these inconsistencies and these incompetencies that we so find ourselves involved with, whether it's from the delays and inconsistencies that are from within ourselves, or whether it's from the delays and the inconsistencies of those that are around us. God is wanting us, regardless of what the situation is, he wants us to be 
patient. And that means that during the times of delay and inconsistencies and incompatibilities and incompetencies, God wants us to have a thing called patience, which is a good-natured tolerance in spite of what the situation is at any given time in life. That's what patience is. And that's why it's so difficult. That's why it's so difficult right there. Because when you have delays and inconsistencies and incompetencies and all of this going on in your life and in, in, and in the things that are around you, and this world is definitely full of delays and inconsistencies and all of that good stuff that just runs people insane. But God said, I want you to have a good nature about it, regardless of what the situation is. And that's what patience is, is maintaining a good nature about whatever situation that we're involved in, whether it's, whether it's delays or incompatibilities or whatever the situation is, God says patience. So we're going to deal with patience, and as we deal with patience, He's going to take us into that place of crowning. That place of crowning means that we've been accepted by him for a certain type of authority and rulership. So we find here in the book of James, the first chapter, that James, verse 1, that James, a servant of God, and James being and meaning the will of God. The will of God is definitely a servant of God. And it's of the Lord Jesus Christ also. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He places a greeting here. So what the Lord is saying to us is that he's sending out through the will of God. He is sending out a message to the entire church here known as the 12 tribes. The twelve, we know, means the divine, uh, 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 the divine uh, purpose of God in man. That's the number twelve. The tribes represent all those that encompass the church world whom God has decreed this divine purpose to. And he says, whosoever will, let him come. So he sends out a message. And God sends this message out into the world that his will is to teach his people the first thing is about faith and about patience and what it's all about and where we stand in it and where it stands in us. So the Lord says here that my brethren, verse 2, talking about patience. He says, count it all joy when ye fall into divers, which is various temptations. He says, count it all joy. Now, let's be realistic from a human standpoint. Are you going to count it all joy when you're going through? Let's just be real. 
Now let's not lie. Let's just be real about what it is that God is saying here. You see, what he expects of us is quite different than what we give him. It's, it's, it's really a big difference between what God expects us to do than what we actually do. He says kind of all joy. But soon as the thing hit the fan, we liable to go off like that man did last night in that superintendent meeting. You know, he just went off. I mean, I don't know if y'all heard about that or seen it, but it was on dead on camera. I mean, this man shot up everything up in there, and then they had to kill him. And then, well, they shot him down on the floor, and then he put the gun to his head and killed himself. He certainly didn't count it all joy. I mean, he wanted to take care of whatever the delay was or whatever the incompetency was because he felt that some incompetency had taken place. So he figured, well, I'm not going to count nothing all joy. I'm going to deal with this myself. See, the way God tells us to deal with things is quite different than the way we deal with it. That's all I think about that. But the Lord says, count it all joy. When you're faced with all these different temptations, he tell, tells us in 1 Thessalonians, in reference to this, 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, I think verse 16, 17, and 18, tells us that we are to rejoice evermore. Rejoice means to count it all joy. Rejoice evermore. That means rejoice in everything. Praying without ceasing, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. And then verse 18 says, And give thanks in all things to God. All, not some things, but all things. For this is the will of God in Christ concerning us. It is the will of God, and that's what James is doing here. James means the will of God. He's sending out a message about patience. It is the will of God that we learn how to Give thanks to God in all things. When we're suffering, when we're mad, when we're angry. You see, if truth be told, Christianity is a serious business when it comes to a thing called obedience. Because he says count it all joy. He says give thanks in all things. But now, we don't give thanks in all things. We don't do it. I mean, this, you, you see, so patience is not something that you just get and you got. But patience is something that must be worked at continuously. Because at any given time, your good nature can turn to a bad nature, depending on what the situation is. Right? Amen. I mean, so patience is all about having a good nature. Regardless of what time it is in your life. Whether it's a time of lack, whether it's a time of want, whether it's a time of need, whether it's a time of joy, whether it's a time of happiness, patience. That's why Paul said, I've learned how to be full when I'm hungry and hungry when I'm full. Why? Because it keeps me content. It keeps me out of balance within myself. He said, so I've learned how to be content in whatever situation I'm in. In other words, he learned how to be patient. He learned how to be patient. So the Bible says here that in verse 2 of 
James chapter 1, verse 2, that my brethren, he's talking to the church here, the brothers and the sisters here, that's who he's talking about. They call them all brethren, but they're the brothers and the sisters. He said, I want you to count it all joy when you fall into these various temptations. You know, like it's Christmas time, and I feel that I got to get my child this, and I got to get my child that, and we talk about this, you know, that's falling into a temptation that can really try on your patience when your pocketbook won't let you do what your feelings is telling you to do about that situation. You see, it's more people now depressed during this season that should be a time of joy. But because their hearts are in the wrong place with what this season is all about, they, you see, they're more depressed. Families right now are more apt to break up during this season right here than at any other time of the year. Right now. People are stressed out right now. All because they can't buy something from China, made in China, that's made in plastic, to give to one another. Because that's most of what plastic is probably the best selling thing out there. I mean, everything made out of plastic. Even the cars that we pay all that money for. So, I mean, plastic is a big thing. And guess what's stamped on it? Made in China? So, yeah. So, it used to be made in Japan. All you got to do is look at what tag is on everything you buy and you'll see who owns America. It switches. China owns it right now. So, everybody now is going through changes. You know, they've thrown patients out the window and they're picking up guns and they're robbing and killing because, and breaking in houses and doing everything, snatching pocketbooks. Where's the patience? You know what? Because they, they, instead of seeing and understanding and knowing what this season is, what they're doing is, is that they've lost it already. And they've got a terrible situation terrible storm going on inside of themselves because of lack of patience. But the word says here in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, what is patience? Good nature in whatever the situation is. Having a good natured tolerance during those times of delay and encompasses in your life. Yeah? So we got to have patience with ourselves because self will run us crazy. And then we got to have patience with the people that are around us that delay us, that are incompetent at the time, that are inconsistent. We got to be patient. I didn't say it would be easy, but I'm saying it's necessary in accordance to this word. So patience is like a bridle and a, and, 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 and a strap on a horse. It kind of holds it back and shows it which way to go and how to act, you know? Now, if you loose that bridle and that strap, that horse, he's going to become unrestrained and he's liable to do some damage. And that's the way a man is, without patience. Mm -hmm. Without patience. So knowing this, that the trying of your faith is what works patience. See, your faith has to be tried. So... Here's where people mess up. Right here is where people mess up. 
people when they, we know that faith is the substance, now faith, is the substance, Hebrews 11, 1, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or the persuasion of things not seen. We know that. We, in other words, we've talked about faith being a substance. I'm thinking to show you something about faith. Now, we take that word and we say faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And what we do is we reach out in faith to attain something, do we not? But we don't get the rest of the story through the trying of your faith. We, we, we forgot that part. Now here's where people mess up with God. This is what makes people, it's one of the biggest things that makes people throw their hand up with God. People don't understand that when you exercise your faith, trials and tribulations come with you. That's why I said through the trying of your faith, work with patience. Okay? Now, what happens is you send it out. And you send out faith. And as soon as you send out faith, there is a thing called the trying of your faith that latches on to you. Because your faith is now going to be tried. Because you're going to have to learn how to have some patience with what you ask for in faith. So what God wants to do is find out whether you have the right nature to receive what you've asked for in faith. So the only thing that's going to do that and pass that test in you is your faith has to be tried. So when you send it out to get what you want, it just don't come right back what you want. You go through a time of trying. Your faith has to be tried. During that time of trying is what caused Christians to fail the test every time. They give up on God because when they asked in faith, they didn't realize that their faith was going to be tried. Now they're frustrated because nobody never told them what they had to go through in the exercising of their faith. The only thing the preacher ever told them was, you just have faith. But he didn't tell them the rest of it, that your faith's going to be tried because God got to work some patience in you. He didn't tell you that, see, because God knows that, okay, if I give this to you by faith, whatever it is you're asking for, then you're going to need to have some understanding on how to maintain a good nature with that he's given you. Case in point, let's take it into the natural where people can understand. We're coming out of the book of James, chapter 1. The book of James, chapter 1. And I think we're going into the third chapter. Okay, now this, the third verse. Now this is what happens, people, when we're singing out faith. We send out the faith, but the preacher never told you that your faith had to be tried because faith worketh patience. You see it here in the book. See, it's right. They give you what we call 
a gun, but they don't give you the bullets with it. And a gun ain't no good without the bullets, see. And then you got to have somebody that'll pull the trigger, or it still's no good. So God is looking for somebody who will take the gun, load the gun, and pull the trigger called faith. He's looking for that. But you got to understand that when you pull the trigger on faith, that your faith going to be tried and tested. That's where people don't understand. That's why people are falling off the church wagon. Because they don't understand, and the preacher never preached to them and told them in James 1, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience is the good nature tolerance that we must have and maintain while we are going through these delays in our life, while we're going through these inconsistencies in our life, while we're going through these things that don't pan out in our life. Everybody, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know them things that run you crazy about yourself as well as other people? Those are the things that I'm talking about. You see, we need to, we got to learn how to keep a good nature toward things. We've got to learn how when self tries to make us uh, act in a way that's against the way God would have us to act. We've got to learn how when self causes a delay in our life, we've got to learn how when self causes an inconsistency in our life, we've got to learn how to maintain a good nature with self and not be frustrated. Because when we get frustrated, we get crazy with it. People get crazy when they get frustrated. And the biggest thing that a frustrated person is when a person can't have these material things out here called the mortar that they used on the plains of China when they built the Tower of Babel. Remember I told you that the bricks was the people, the world system that's made people all alike? Now they got the mortar is the materialism where the mortar is the iPods and the Izards or the Izards and all of those, the Nikes and all of that. You see, that's the mortar. And if you take all that away, then the bricks fall apart. People go crazy. So, patience. Just patience. See, they tell you one thing, but they don't tell you the rest of it. So just as soon as you shoot faith out there to get something, because we know now, right now, faith, the Bible says. Now, faith, Hebrews 11, 1, is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is a substance, but it's the evidence or the persuasion of things that you don't see yet. But when you send it out there, like I said, the Bible says that it's going to be tried. Because through the trying of it, it was faith. In other words, what God is trying to get us to do is have a good nature regardless of the situation. That's what he's trying to do. The only way that we can show the love of God is to, and it's not easy. Because some people, now let's be real, some people just want to flat out cuss out. Tell them that you know where to go. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Don't play with me up in here with religion. Don't do that. I can't stand religion. I got to be real if I'm going to help you. I gotta be real. I'm tired of religious folks. You know, I'm tired of folks who 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 think 
because they got big cars and, and, and big degrees and all that stuff. I'm sick of them kind of people. I be around them kind of people all the time. I know how they, I'm sick of them. They don't, they, those kind of people don't have nothing on you if you're a child of God. So you got to know who you are. Ain't nothing. The, the word of God says that I own the cattle on a thousand here. And out of all my doing, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his sheep begging for bread. Now, how in the world is God our Father, if we're his children, how is he going to keep any good things from us if we just do it? If you've got children, when your children do what you want them to do, there is nothing you won't get. You'll break your neck to give them whatever they want. Am I right or wrong? Now, if God owns everything, it ain't too hard for him to give you anything. If he already owns it all, see, he's not like a man now. He's not like a man who may want to do something for you but don't have a jack to do it. But he's God. And if we're his children, now I'm talking about spiritual now. I'm talking about, forget this world. See, this world is not our home. See, we're too caught up on this thing. We're too caught up on a place where we can't even stay. And that's what makes it so bad. That's why the church house ain't full. That's why you say ain't nothing going to be but a remnant that's going to make it in. It's not going to be a whole lot of preachers. You know why? Because the preachers have lied. The prophets have told lies to the people. That's why. The book tells you that. They told you lies. They told you you could live any kind of way, just pay your tithes and come and run and hoop and holler and, and you'd be all right and, and, and bake some cake. I must have hit somebody. Let, let me get back up here for somebody. Did I hit something? But I'm saying, no, that's what they do. So the word of God says here that through the, in verse 3, James 1, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith was patience. In other words, it teaches us how to have a good nature when we go through things. You, you, you see, we got to practice in order to get good with this word. We got to practice this thing. Just like we practice sin, we got to practice righteousness. That's how we get better. And we don't do it by being isolated and trying to do it on our own. No, you gotta, you gotta come together, join together, and then you gotta come together and be joined together in love, not judgment. You gotta do that now if this thing don't work, you see. See, that's how you win this thing. That's how you win. You don't win this thing, you can take this thing right here, this word of God, and you can kill a man with it, or you can bring him life. Because the life and death is in the power of the tongue. So this word here, it says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Somebody say, patience is good nature. That's what it is. I want you to say it so you remember. And I say it again. Patience is good, having a good nature. I wish y'all say it like y'all meant it. I show one of these days you'll get it. But anyway, God loves you. And so do I. Verse 4 says, but let patience. Oh, that word, but. That's a big word. 
See, that cancel out all of that other before that. Unless you do it. Unless you do it. But let patience have her perfect work. See, the only way that that thing going to work for you is that you allow patience. James 1, verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work. Because when patience, having a good nature, have her perfect work, that means that that word perfect, that means that you mature. Well, you used to go crazy on things. Now, you're good natured about it. That's how you know you got patience. I didn't say it was going to be easy. Because sometimes I want to do the Yosemite Sam too. Y'all remember him on Bugs Bunny? Some of you us old folks. He shoot up every time. And it didn't take nothing but just one wrong move and he pulled his gun and go to shoot. Well, see, there's a lot of folks like that. They start shooting guns. They start shooting off at the mouth. I mean, all kinds of things, man. That's because patience, that good nature in you, it hasn't been made perfect yet. But the word of God here says, let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect, which means that you'll be mature. Doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes. That word there in the, in the Greek lexicon means that you'll be mature. In other words, when you, when you, when you miss the boat, you will not know how to get back in the boat. You won't drown. So the word of the Lord says here that, but let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I, I, I'm looking for the day that God will bless my soul where I won't be wanting anything within my spirit. See, y'all thought I was going to say something about my spirit. I ain't studying about that. that. I got that. That don't make me happy. I want to be perfect and want nothing inside of my sanctuary. I want to be able, I'm, I'm serious, this is how I want to be able to walk. I want to be walk and not have Roman eyes. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that pulling on me. I want to get to the point where that don't do nothing to me, but I can walk like a man, like Christ did. I want to walk, I want to get to that place where when I see a nice car, I don't even think about it, getting another one because I, I appreciate the one that I got. I want to get to that point where I don't look to have no more clothes. You understand what I'm saying? But I got enough clothes, because I ain't even go to the ones I got and still buying more. It's ridiculous. But I got a Jones. See, I want to get to the point where I don't, I don't, I don't want that no more. I just want God. That's the level. I'm hitting up in here tonight. I'm not even preaching hard tonight. And everybody just grinning. So I, see, I know when my people are getting hit. Because they go to grinning. And I'm making it so bad, man. I say, I say, Lord, you know, I don't want to preach hard to my people. I just want to teach my people. And you know it don't mean you're doing how you bring this word. This word will do what it's going to do in spite of it. And that's when I learned I ain't got nothing to do with all I'm in, All I am is the messenger. That's all. But this word tells us that, that we want to get to the point where we become so mature that we're in time and wanting nothing. Now look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, And if any man, if any of you, 
lack wisdom. That word wisdom means what to do. If any of us lack the knowledge on what to do, the Bible said let him ask God. He didn't say go ask man. Because what happened is, is God will lead you to the person that he wants you to ask. You see, see you might have thought that God was, see a lot of people misinterpret this. You see, a lot of people don't know that God works through human beings to bless each other. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, or men sharpen the countenance of men like iron sharpens iron. The devil knows this. That's why the devil likes to isolate people and make them feel like they are unworthy. This church is a hospital. All of us are sick with sin. This is a hospital. This is what Dr. Jesus comes in and works on us. You understand what I'm saying? This is where the doctor does his surgery right here. This is where we get healed at right here. But in order to get healed, you got to come to the doctor's appointment, and then you got to take the medicine that's been prescribed if you want to get healed. I'm serious. I hope, I, is, it, is, it, is this, are we relating here tonight? Looks like we're doing pretty good. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. He didn't say that it might be. It said it shall be. But look here. Look at verse 6. See, see, here's the trick again now. But let him ask him what? Y'all see that? Now that word faith is a tricky thing now. Don't jump on faith too quick. Don't jump there too quick on that thing. Now y'all better catch this. Go back up there to verse 3. See what verse 3 says about faith. Through the trying of your what? Watch out now. So when you ask, you ask it in faith, right? But what verse 3 says going to happen when you ask in faith? Trials and tribulations going to come, ain't it? You see it? So don't jump on faith too quick now. So you jump on faith and call faith up. See, faith, this is what faith do. Faith sits on the seabed of eternity in you because the kingdom of God is inside of you. And it's waiting on somebody to call it up. Now, when you call it up, and send it out, trials and tribulations come with that. So, when you ask God for wisdom, whoa. When you ask God for patience, Lord, let me have more patience. Boy, you might, he might make you run around the world, naked, in the cold. It's cold everywhere, not even in Florida. He might have you run around, I'm telling you what God will do. God will put you through the test. You done called it up. You say, you want this from me? Let me see. Let me try it again. Let me see if you work. See, that's, that's, why, that's why the devil done blinded the people about this tribulation thing. Jesus emphatically in the Bible, all through the Bible, tells us immediately after the tribulation, I'm coming to get my people. Because the church got to be tried and tested during that time. Just like anything else. He told you, you don't get up out of here on a free meal ticket. But this is what religion does. Religion put the rapture on the front end of it. 
So now the devil got the Christians thinking that they're going to escape the tribulation. But if they knew the word, then they wouldn't be tricked by these proper liars, I call them. I'm telling you what God's word says. If you read the book of uh, Revelation, the fifth chapter, I think it's 5, 7. Wait a minute, is it 7, 5 or 5, 7? Let me make sure. Let me make sure. That's just one place. Revelation, because that's another subject. And I'm not going to, I don't need to be running over in there today because I'll be on that long. Now, I think it's in the seventh chapter. Yeah, the seventh chapter, starting at the Revelation 7, verse 9. Start at verse 9 and run it on down. And you'll see there in verse 14 of Revelation, speaking about the saints, those that's been washed in the white, in that white robe. You read it there. What did it say? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. See, he, he had been asked. If you, if you go up, up above there, and one of the elders answered, said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? In other words, who are these people that's arrayed in these white robes? Let's talk about the saints that have been taken up. And where did they come from? He asked a question. Look at verse 14. And he said, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of what? What kind of tribulation? Did, did they come out of it? That means they was in it. To come out of it. And what did they do? They washed their what? What did they do? Sound, and, and were made white in the what? Blood. Do that sound like the saints to you? Now I can go down through this Bible and show you all down through here where it backs that up. Even Jesus in the book of Mark and in the book of Matthew said immediately after the tribulation will I come and pick up my church. I mean, it's there now. So you see, that's why when you come up in here, we, we, we study Bible up in here. This ain't some preacher that reads two or three scriptures and then goes shallow. No, no, no. We say we're Christian. We say we're Christian. That's what we say we are. Then we're going to know what that book says. Because that's my job to teach that book. As is. Not as theology say, but as is. Ain't no yeah, but. No, that's it. It is what it is. The Bible says if anybody change anything in that book, take anything out of that book, their name will be taken out of the book of life. And if anybody add anything in that book, like a lot of them, you say he's going to add the plagues to them. So when we go to playing around with that word there, we playing around with hell fire. I don't want to preach, so let me get on back up here. So the word of the Lord says here, in verse 6 of James 1, verse 6, but let him ask in what? Faith. faith. And we know that when you ask in faith, that your faith is going to be tried. So we already know that, right? Because it worketh, the trying of our faith worketh patience. It worketh a good nature in us. Now, it says, for he, and but, but let him, not wavering, when you ask him faith, not wavering, nothing wavering, 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. See, see, that's what a wavering faith will do. You see, that's what, see, that's what that trying would do. See, we send that faith out, but because we don't know we're going to be tried by it, see, now we go to wavering, see. You know why we waver? Because when we sent it out, we sent it out and we didn't have a full understanding on the fact that as soon as we sent it out, it was going to be tried. So when it begins to be tried, and we say, no, this ain't fair, Lord. Yeah, it is fair, because if you knew my word, he say study and make yourself approved as a workman that need under God that needed not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth. But because the word is not studied like it ought to be studied and not preached like it ought to be preached, and we keep preaching on a sixth grade level, people don't know what's going on. Been in church 50 years, still on a sixth grade level. And don't want to go no high. The blind lead the blind, Jesus said. They both fall in a ditch. He told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you don't know. You're supposed to be a master, and you don't know that. And you a master, a master teacher, and you don't know that, Nicodemus? Come on, man. That's what Jesus told him, Nicodemus. When he told man, you must be born again. Nicodemus, born again? And he was a teacher. Hmm. Verse 17, and let not the man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The man that wavers in his faith. That's why they get frustrated. They ask God for something. And then when the trying of the faith comes, they waver. They never get it. So they give up. Because they don't understand what's happening. In order to understand what's happening to you, you got to understand what the word is saying about the situation. It says, verse 7, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is what? Unstable high in what? Not some his ways. A double-minded, you know. I'll, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Why you ain't done? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to God as if God ain't hearing you. I know what you're saying, but I'm looking at what you're doing. And what you're doing ain't adding up to <laughs> but it looks to me like you honoring me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. That, that's what it sounds like to me when, when, when you're in that category of making promises to God and not doing it. You fall in that category. You fall in that category of, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. That's what Jesus said. That's the book, people. The book. Matthew, the seventh chapter. That's the book. Double-minded man. But look here. Verse 9. James, chapter 1. Let the brother of what kind of degree? Let him rejoice in that he is exalted. 
See, James 14 tells us, he that humbles himself in the sight of the Lord, the Lord will lift him up. So those people who think they are low in degree, low status, those are the ones that God's going to exalt. Those are the ones they're looking for. The ones that have been through something. The ones that has been beat down. Those are the ones he wants. You can't. How you going to tell a prideful person that's got everything and ain't been through nothing? How God going to talk to him or her? They know it all. So God will allow life to beat you down. Beat you and need you. You know how you do bread. See, bread for bread to get good and right, you got to beat it up. You, you know, y'all, some of y'all know about baking bread. I ain't, I ain't even going to ask you to raise hands. Let me go back up. Let me get back up. I better get back up there. I do better up here. Especially that Sunday body crew come up here. <laughs> but uh, but you know you got to you got to send it through some stuff to put it in a low degree so that it can get in the oven and be baked and could go into an exalted degree. So that's the way man is. He said, "Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted." You see, exalted how in Christ. See, as soon as you accept Christ in your life, I'm mean, truly, not play, but truly. Now, when I say accept Christ in your life, you begin a journey. It's not an overnight thing. That's another mistake. People try to put pressure on people. This is a journey, people. You got to start somewhere. Every destination has to start somewhere. Okay? Every destination. On this road to eternal life, there are different stages. And people are at different levels of growth. But everybody, ain't nobody there yet. Amen. <laughs> so, so can't nobody stop. Can't nobody stop. Paul said, look, I have not, I don't count myself as being apprehended yet, but this one thing I know, I'm going to forget that which is behind me. Mm -hmm. See, that's what's killing people. The past. The they can't turn it loose. Forget it. Paul said, forget it. Why would Paul say that? I'll tell you why. Because Paul had killed so many people and had so many people put in jail that was Christian. He had done so wrong as a Pharisee that he had to live with that. And that thing, when he got saved and he found out what the truth was, it began to eat at his conscience. So the only way that Paul could, 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 could keep his soul alive, see that man went through something. The only way he could keep his soul from being eaten up from guilt is that he had to constantly run toward God and try and forget, push that. You got to push that, what you did back there. You got to keep that at bay. Because that thing is going to forever try to catch you. And once it catches you, it's going to immobilize you, and you're not going to be able to go to the next level in God because it's going to pull you back and make you feel like you're a nobody. That's why you got to watch who you hang around. See, when you get saved, you're a new creature in Christ. 
It doesn't mean that you metamorphose right then, but what it is is that things begin to change. And you begin to change your venue of friends and events and places that you go and things that you do. You see, this is what Christianity is all about. Changing from one venue of life to another. Without bringing the past. You can't do that because once the past will catch you, it'll immobilize you and you and it'll kill your future. That's another thing. A lot of people come in and they sit and the past catch up to them and self catch up to them and they just shut down. They just, yeah, they just shut down. They don't hear God anymore. And the next thing you know, they're gone. And it usually happens to the old ones. And what I mean by the old ones, the ones that's been here for years, they become comfortable and complacent and they don't hear God no more. They stop growing. And the worst thing that you can do that's the worst thing you can do. So you always got to have a, 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 a appetite for God to go higher with it. So verse 10 says, but the rich in that he is made low. So because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Now, I want you to look at something here. He tells the low degree brothers or sister to rejoice because if you are low in Christ, he'll exalt you. James 14. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. That's the one of low degree. But he tells the rich man, you know the one that thinks he got it going on. Look what he says. He says, you need to be made low. In other words, you, you need to come down off of that pedestal that you want. You know, like the old folk, you said you can't hit him in the tail with a red apple, that one. You know, they get a couple of dollars, two dollars, they, you can't touch them. They think, y'all ain't met anybody like that? I call them bammers, country folk. They live, may live in the city, but they're still country. They call them bammers because, see, they're ignorant. Because they think the two dollars make them. They don't understand that only God can make you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, only God can make you. So he tells the rich man in that he is made low. And then he puts because on there. Y'all see it in verse 10. James 1 verse 10. He said because as a flower of the grass, he should do what? Pass away. Look at 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. The Bible says, for all flesh is like grass. Not some, but all. And the glory of a man, talking about that rich man now, and the glory of a man is like the flower. First Peter, any first Peter 1 24? Yes. For all flesh is like grass, and the glory of a man. Is as the flower. You know how beautiful a flower is. But you also know that the grass withers. See, this flesh don't grow old. You good looking women, it's gonna grow old. 
That's why you got to watch vanity. Yes. Because vanity will kill you. See, as you get older and you wither away, you're supposed to get more beautiful in the spirit. You see? see, God has a way about it. He brings the beauty out first in the younger years. But as you grow older in wisdom, the beauty goes to a spiritual thing. It, it, it reverses itself. Do you understand what it does to you? You come out and you're beautiful. You're this beautiful flower. But what people don't understand is vanity won't let them understand the changes of God. See, God changes the beauty from the outward to the inward. As you grow older, it changes. Because now you're metamorphosing into an eternal state. You understand what I'm trying to say? So your beauty changes. And you've got to change with your beauty or you'll get stuck in time and when you see a wrinkle, you'll lose your mouth. You'll think the whole, your whole life is over because you didn't change with the changes. You, you didn't move with God on it. So you didn't understand what it was. To be a man or a woman. So you got caught up. Daddy go get it again. Let me get over here. Let me hit something again. So you get caught up. You get caught up on vanity. Lipstick, makeup, all that kind of stuff. Clothes. You know, we get we get caught up on it, and then we get stuck in that. Now we're 80 years old. And we still think we can put on a mini skirt. It don't fit. It don't fit. You didn't change with the times. Yeah, you didn't make the transition. Well, I know. <laughs> you didn't make the transition. You see, you got to make the transition, you know? You know? I mean, these the women. Lord, I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah. Every time I come down here, I get in trouble. And something just very be bad in every time. But man in here, them big that McDonald's is killing the American women. That dollar menu. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. And what happened is, is that the ladies. <coughs> Anytime this get bigger than that, you don't need to be wearing nothing tight. Leave that alone, it don't fit no more. So, wear loose clothes. Just wear loose clothes. That's all I got to say. Don't do that to yourself. Some things just need to be covered up as you get older. Am I right about it? Y'all can say amen. amen. Just tell the truth. It don't make you less than who you are. It makes you wise. It, makes, it means that you are transcending with God. Because now the beauty is coming out in a spiritual way because now you're getting closer to eternity with this thing. So you don't want to get stuck with that back there because why? Because the Bible says in 1 
Peter 1, 24 and 25, that all flesh is like grass. And the glory of a man is like the flowers of the field. This is what it does. The grass withers, flesh withers away. And the glory of that flower, day fadeth away. And so it is with the glory of a man. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And it goes on and it says, and this is the word. This word is the gospel that we preach unto you. For the sun is no longer soon arisen with a burning heat, verse 11, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. Talking to those people that putting their trust in the vanity of the flesh and their little glory. So also shall the rich man fade away. And not some of his ways, but in his ways. He'll fade away. Nobody won't remember how fine you used to be when you were 80 years old in the flesh. But they will remember how gracefully fine you are in the spirit. If you make the transition. But if you don't make the transition, then you'll just be an old fool. Man and woman. And we got a lot of men and women that are old fools. And that's why the young people are such a fool. It's because the role models have changed and it ain't like it used to be. Old folks don't have the wisdom no more that they should have. So now what they're trying to do instead of being parents, they're trying to be friends. And that'll get a moment. Your job is to be a parent to your children. Teach them the right way. Not to try to be a friend with them. No. Oh, you got, you got, see, there's a professional line between the pastor and the congregation. And you don't cross that line. There's a professional line between the child and the parent. And you won't cross that line. See, there's a professional line between the boss, the employer, and the employee. And if you cross that line, you violate it. There's a professional line between man and Jesus. And if you cross that line, you pay. You pay. Give me five minutes. God said in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, approved. That word tried, that means approved. James 1, 12. When he is tried, he shall receive the what? Crime. The authority. The acceptance of life. Which the Lord has promised to them that love him. There are five crowns that the Christian receives. Here we go. The first crown is the crown of life, seen here in verse 12. That crown of life is given to faithful Christians. Hear me now. If you want the crown of life, that's eternity. You got to be a faithful Christian. You can't, you can't be a Sunday going Christian. You got to be a real Christian. You got to love God. And you got to be about his work. All right. Now, the second crown is the crown of righteousness found in uh, 2 Timothy 4 8. Write these down. You want to? If y'all want me to go through them, I'll go through them. 2 Timothy 4, 8. 2 Timothy 4, 8 says that 
Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So to all of us who love his appearing, we should receive the crown of righteousness, which is the crown of righteousness is the, those that love the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he comes to us. Okay? That's the crown of righteousness. Then the third one is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Five crowns. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Just showing you what you got in store for you, if you like crowns. Crowns represents royalty. We are a royal priesthood. Amen? 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 Amen. Royal priesthood. We are not dirt daubers on this earth. We are a royal priesthood. You got to know who you are. And that's what this thing, the kind of teachings we give up in here is to teach you who you are inside yourself and what you are. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19, talking about the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So, the crown of rejoicing is soul winning. That's a soul winning crown. See, we're obligated, once we're saved, to try to get somebody else saved. See, we got to open our mouth and first live this thing so that other people can see so that when we open our mouth and tell them about Jesus, then our testimony will be validated by the way we walk. All right? Fourth crown is the crown of incorruptibleness, which is in 1 Corinthians 9, 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Over there? First Corinthians 9 25 says that, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it, look at that word now. Now means right now. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, or 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 now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. See Man of the world want to get a hold of an incorruptible, I mean a corruptible crown. He like, he, he like to praise the men. That's corruptible. But we like the incorruptible crown. See that what it said? But we an incorruptible, talk about an incorruptible crown. Now what that incorruptible crown means is that we've been successful at denying our flesh. That's why Jesus said take up your cross. If you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross and follow me daily. Yeah. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow after me daily. All right? Now, there's one more. It's called the crown of glory. The crown of glory is found in 1 Peter 5, 4. This is for the shepherds, the pastors, the fivefold ministry, the ones that teach God's people the word. 1 Peter See, that's why it doesn't make no difference. 1 Peter 5, 4. Are we there? Amen. 
This, this, this is what he's saying. Feed the flock of God which are among you. Talk to the elders. Taking the oversight, I'm in verse 2, 1 Peter 5, verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you. You see what he's saying? He's telling me to feed you. You're the ones that's among me, right? You see, let me tell you what, before I go into further, I want you to understand something here. This is the revelation that God gave to me. Because God has to talk to me sometimes because, you know, I get weary like everybody else. You know, I go through things about this pastoral thing and doing this ministry out in the world and stuff. But doing the ministry out in the world ain't nowhere near as hard as dealing with the knuckleheads that have come through that door and called me pain. Do y'all hear me? It's been some crazy folk come, it's spirits coming through that. No, y'all don't think you get it. I don't think you get it what a pastor goes through. See, it's easy for you to look at me and talk and say, well, I did this, I did that. But when I look through that door, ain't no telling what's coming through that door. When, when people come through that door, because many people have come through here, and that word have sent them back out the same way they came in. Because they came with, they didn't come with the right agenda. They came to try to destroy the souls of those of you that want God. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what God revealed to me, church, the other night. He said, look here, man. He said, oh, man, let me tell you He said, it doesn't matter when I, when, when I found that crown, that pastor crown, and I read it, and God spoke to me and he said, it does not make any difference whether you are a pastor over 50,000, whether you are a pastor over 30. He says a pastor is a pastor, and their, their jobs are all the same. It makes no difference. He says, if you stand fast in what you're doing, your crown is going to be the same as Billy Graham, TDJ, or any of all these other pastors out here. See, when God, God will show you the importance. You see, the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven. They break out in a praise over one soul that repents. Now, they're not like man. The angels aren't. When they break out in a praise, it's, it's on the same level. What I'm trying to say is, it's the same as Jesus, our pastor, our true pastor. It would have made no difference whether he had to just die for one of us. He would have did. And he still would have got the same glory. It's all about obedience. When God reveals things to a person, it'll settle in your nerves, and it'll settle in you, and you're able to walk this thing with confidence because you know that the same crown the rest of them get, I got it too. Same one. Same exact one, the crown of blood. And it's for feeding flock, because this is what he said too. He said in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. Take it the oversight thereof, not by constraint, 
but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, that's money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but as examples to the flock. In other words, I got to live what I preach. And it took a while, and it's, I still make mistakes, but I'm better. I don't make the ones that I used to make. But I found that when he cleared me up from one thing, there's always something else that you understand. I wonder if you like that with y'all. Oh, well, we all human, you know. I just wonder. I, I might have some clones in the house. I, I just wonder. But it's good to know that I'm among the living. So he says that in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd Jesus shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You see it? So you see, we all got crowns to receive from God. God didn't leave nobody out. Nobody is left out. Nobody. God wants to bless all of us. But the problem with man is, man got to ask himself, does he want God to bless him? And will he allow God to do it? Because here again, there's lip service that says, yes, I want God to bless me, but then will you let him bless you? That goes over in this category over here. That means that you're going to have to submit to his will and begin to walk this time. Like I said, your faith going to be tried. So you might well get geared up for that. This, I can't sit here and tell you it's going to be an easy road. No. But together we can make it. But I can tell you this much. You will not make it by being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And, and, and you will not make it by when you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be with God, you're somewhere else doing what you're doing for the devil, I'm going to tell you how to make it, and I'm going to tell you how you're not going to make it. If you want to make it, you got to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, and you've got to be a part of the assembly. You can't pick strawberries here and then come back and pick a few later on. No, this, the field ain't going to be there for so long. So if you want what God's got for you, you got to be real. You got to be real. And the first place to get real is to make up in your mind, Lord, I'm ready to make a change. I'm really ready to make a change in my life. And it ain't got nothing to do with you coming up here because you don't mind nothing. But it's got everything to do with you telling God in your heart in your heart. You tell God that you want him to come into your life. The Bible says this. If you confess to God with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible declares, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, that you shall be saved. That's your business. You talk to God about it. You don't owe no man no explanation for nothing. You talk to God about you.
God, and, and God will direct you on where you need to be, when you need to be there, and he'll make it enjoyable to you. That's if you real with God, if you real for the challenge. But remember, a whole lot of people saying, Lord, Lord, but he said, no, you ain't in the book because I didn't ever know you. You know why? Because you said things out of your mouth, but you never acted it out. So whatever you tell God over here, make sure that you start walking toward acting it out, okay? Thank you, Zach. May God bless you. Good night. Come on, brother.